You may have noticed an important date has come and gone for the Farm Bill. For months, lawmakers have been saying their goal is to pass the bill before the current law expires, September 30th. But they didn't do it. The House and Senate are at an impasse. Even after weeks of negotiation, Mike Conway, the chair of the House Agriculture Committee, says the Farm Bill is... Still a work in progress. Um, more emphasis on the work than progress, unfortunately. But it also turns out that even though the Farm Bill has expired, it's kind of like a gallon of milk. It's still good for a while. So we're jumping in with a brief episode to explain what happens now that the Farm Bill has technically lapsed. Who bears the consequences? And if Congress couldn't pass the Farm Bill by now, when will it happen? From NET, Nebraska's PBS and NPR stations, this is On the Table. I've got some help to go over what's next for the Farm Bill. Madeline Beck is a reporter with Harvest Public Media based in Galesburg, Illinois. Welcome, Madeline. Good to be here. And Ellen Ferguson covers agriculture issues in Congress for CQ Roll Call. Hey, Ellen. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. So the Senate and House still have not agreed on how to combine their two separate versions of the 2018 Farm Bill. The current law lapsed on Sunday, September 30th. Are there consequences for missing that date, Ellen? Well, for a a small group of programs that are um, known as orphan programs, um, there is an immediate um, effect. They uh, lost funding and they will cease to operate. And I like your analogy of kind of like a gallon of milk. Mm -hmm. Maybe the top is okay, the middle is so-so, but the bottom, not so good. so those programs, and those are generally programs that are uh, geared to small um, beginning farmers, uh, programs that are, I think, probably more popular with a lot of suburban and urban lawmakers. They're more familiar with them. And then we have a group of programs sort of in the middle who um, they can continue to function, but they can't do anything new. They can't write any new contracts or make any new agreements. They can honor the contracts and the agreements that they have and just sort of be in a maintenance um, uh, situation. Uh, Conservation Reserve Program is is one of those programs that falls into the continues to operate but no new contracts. And then we have um, crop insurance and the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly known as uh, Food Stamp. Uh, They continue on either because they're either permanently authorized in other legislation or they're um, appropriators providing funds. So those are big programs and they continue on. And then we have the commodity programs, the farm programs, that continue on until they start expiring. And the first one to expire is dairy, and I believe that's at the end of December. And that's really when um, the uh, four principal negotiators on the uh, farm bill the chairman and ranking members of the House and Senate Agriculture Committees say they will start to worry and think that there might be a need for an an extension. And even though the current farm bill has expired through the magic of Congress, they can go back and revive something that has died. So they'd have to figure out what it is that they wanted to continue. Okay, so I want to go back over some of that. The programs that are basically on hold immediately, those are smaller programs, right? The smaller programs are, are, I guess, are, are in limbo. They're not functioning. They lost their funding. They lost their authorization. Uh-huh. 
Now they can be brought back in an extension, and that has happened in the past, where sometimes programs have, have lapsed, but there's an extension and they kind of do a reach back. That has happened in the past. Um, the chairman and the ranking members basically argue that there's not a need for an extension right now because they say that without, if you uh, adopt a, an extension at this point or before December, that uh, that will take the pressure of them to, off them to actually uh, come together and develop a 2018 bill. Oh, so they don't want to pass an extension because they take the pressure off themselves. Well, that, that's what they say. Yeah. But in Congress, it's amazing how often deadlines kind of come and go. And um, uh, with no appreciable uh, effect on the lawmakers in terms of getting them to actually do anything. Madeline, what has been the reaction to this missed deadline? Well, I mean, it depends on who you ask. But if you ask a lot of farmers, they're not surprised. <laughs> um, a lot of them have been expecting this, regardless of what people in Congress have said up to this point, that they want to get the Farm Bill passed, that they want to give security to farmers. Most farmers up to this point and at this point are not surprised that it did lapse. <laughs> but at the same time, you have people who uh, are concerned on either side of the political spectrum. I talked with uh, more conservative groups, Americans for Prosperity, namely, who said they still want something passed, an extension passed. And then you have some of um, some of the more liberal groups who, of course, want the conservation programs and those sorts of things to not lapse. Um, but neither side kind of got their say in this. And uh, Congress did let it pass, lapse anyway, which uh, the concern is not so much just a month or a two-month lapse, but that this lapse continues, that those uh, deadlines aren't met, and that it's into the early part of next year or even later next year before these programs get funded again, which means you will have lost opportunities for grants, lost opportunities for um, just for people to get out there and learn more about agriculture, a lot of these programs fund education. So um, that's that's what I've been hearing. I think Madeline did a great job of, of summarizing there. Thanks, Madeline. And let's talk about some of the major holdups. The, the big one, I guess, is SNAP. And we discussed this in the second episode of the podcast. And I'll just briefly describe the, the issue. The House version of the Farm Bill wants to require more people to um, – to be required to work or go through training programs at least part-time if they're going to receive uh, food benefits through the SNAP program, the, the food stamp program. And if they don't, under the House plan, they could, they could lose their assistance. They could lose the money that they would receive. Um, and the Senate basically, because there are enough Democrats to filibuster that, they're not going along with it. And so that's been a stumbling block. Is there any change in that from where it's been over the last few months? Not really. And I think the broader concern may, um, may be that after meeting and talking with each other for several months, or a couple, well, I will say at least two months, that the principal negotiators have not at this point even agreed on how to start. Um, uh, Chairman Roberts uh, wanted to start with uh, kind of setting funding limits for each of the titles. And then Chairman Conaway says you should start with the um, policy. So they're having trouble even getting to square one about how they want to negotiate? 
Yes. Huh. It's more than just SNAP. There are some other things going on, but they're not going to come up with a farm bill unless they figure out something on SNAP that can pass both chambers. That is true. Um, but I have a, a colleague, uh, Phil Brasher, who's with AgriPulse, who seems to think that uh, based on people he's talked to, that perhaps after the midterm elections, the differences on SNAP may not be that hard to reconcile. Maybe the House may be willing to give on some some areas. Quite frankly, maybe because each party will no longer have a use for it as an issue, then maybe it will be more easily resolved. Madeline, how long can Congress go without doing something? I mean, what are the next deadlines down the road that could maybe push them to take action here? Well, feasibly, they can go however long they want. But the next big deadline that they're really looking at is probably the end of December. So next year brings about a lot of the grant programs. That's when they put out their requests for applications. Um, That's where um, what Ellen was talking about with the dairy program, that's when that's going to become an issue. Um, And so as dairy has been very visible um, with this administration's talks with Canada, uh, I, I believe that they're going to want to help that industry or continue helping that industry. I'm glad you mentioned Canada because on the same day the Farm Bill expired, the White House apparently reached a a trade agreement with Mexico and Canada, at least a tentative agreement. Um, Here's President Trump announcing the deal in the White House Rose Garden. The deal includes a substantial increase in our farmers' opportunities to export American wheat, poultry, eggs, and dairy, including milk, butter, cheese, yogurt, and ice cream, to name a few. I want to be very specific. It's a good deal for farmers, he says. But I'm wondering if it takes the pressure off of Congress for passing a farm bill. Um, Ellen, what do you think? I don't think that there's a a one-to-one correlation on that. I think uh, that each chairman and both of the ranking members want to be able to deliver a farm bill. It's sort of a point of pride for them. And they come from um, agricultural states or agricultural districts they kind of view it as their responsibility. Doesn't mean it's going to get done on time, but they view it as their responsibility. I I think we have yet to see how the trade aid mitigation package that uh, USDA put together, the $12 billion, how that might affect um, the sense of urgency for lawmakers working on the farm bill, or even the sense of urgency maybe among farmers. I mean, going off a little bit of what Ellen said, uh, with trade in particular, um, one thing that is on the chopping block as well is the foreign market development program. It's for us to try to incentivize other countries to buy our products. Now, some think that $12 billion package, which is at least in this first round shrunk down to $4.7 billion, um, $200 million in that will help incentivize trade. But if we lose that program that would have been re-upped in the Farm Bill, that foreign market development program, that means we lose more than $30 million with that as well. Um, So it's kind of a give and take there. Uh, It sounds a little complicated. We have multiple programs going on at the same time to incentivize foreign trade. But I think that will also cause more confusion with those who want to do business with the United States with all this uncertainty with the Farm Bill, it might create more uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Madeline, um, 
Do you think the Farm Bill is resonating with voters in Illinois with the midterm elections coming up? I mean, I think that for some, it just reinforces their ideas that the people in Congress aren't really looking out for them. And um, while many of them may have voted um, in this last presidential election um, for Republicans and for those who might mix up Congress, I have a feeling there are going to be those who are continue to be disenchanted with what Congress is doing, and it may mean slightly lower turnout. But then again, midterms always have lower turnout, so it's kind of wait and see out here. I think there's a bit of a wild card in a lot of this, and it's hard to tell at this point what the final outcome is going to be. But I am starting to get little flashbacks of the whole process that produced the 2014 bill that took 21 months and spanned two Congresses. And I'm, I'm just hoping it's just twinges and not something of, of uh, foreshadowing of things to come. Well, Ellen and Madeline, thank you. Well, thank you, Grant. Thank you. So that's a quick look at where things stand with the Farm Bill now that it's past due. But we've got more episodes coming up looking at other issues behind the 2018 Farm Bill as it moves through Congress. I'm Grant Gerlach, host of On the Table. We made this episode with producer Marianne Andre, production assistant Carlos Sandoval, and consulting producer Matthew Hodap. Special thanks to James Duchesneau for his technical support. Our music is from Blue Dot Sessions. Our executive producers are Chad Davis and Dennis Kellogg. On the Table is a production of NET, Nebraska's PBS and NPR stations. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.